Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. All right, Exodus chapter 3. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. All right. If you're not there, that's okay. We got a big Bible on the screen for you today. So Exodus chapter three, let me tee it up. It's probably, if you're a Christian, this is, this is a story that you've read probably a million times. If you're a parent, this is a story you've told your kids a million times. All right. This is a story of Moses having an encounter with God and it's the, it's the unburning bush experience or the burning bush experience. Some would call it was burning, but it never burned up. So this is this moment that he has in this encounter that he has with God. And I, we're going to read just a few verses And then we're going to dive into some thoughts, some observations, and some applications to our lives. So it picks it up in verse 1, chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock, he being Moses, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. For you are standing on holy ground. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about mountains and valleys. And there, there, there's, there's gold in both areas of life. There's different seasons of life. Uh, you might have come out of one season of a valley and now you're ascending the hill of the Lord and everything's awesome and you're singing and praising God for his faithfulness and you're having, you're, you're entering a mountaintop experience season. I love those seasons. High five. That's awesome. Some of you are coming down from the mountain of the Lord and you don't realize it, but you're walking into a valley. (laughs) And you may feel like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Pastor Jeff, if you had any idea what was going on in my life right now, this is a really difficult season. And you may be in the middle of that valley. And wherever you may be, from a mountaintop experience to a valley experience, there's gold in all. And one of the things in life that I've learned is, is it's important to embrace the season that you're in. You know, when Fawn and I were just newly married, and I was a single dad when we got married, so she was like insta mom, you know. Uh, well, when we were newly married, and, and we, we could kind of set our own schedule. We, I mean, we didn't have anybody. We could stay up late if we wanted to stay up late. If we wanted to wake up early, we wanted to travel. We wanted to go to the store. We wanted to go to the grocery store at 11 o'clock at night and go get some, you know, late night. I mean, we would do that. We would stay up late and, you know, and then kids came into the picture and it's like, good Lord, if I got past nine o'clock at night, it was like a Christmas miracle, man. Like, you know, those, those little dudes wear you out and they wake up early. Right. And, 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 and they, there may be five love languages, but to every kid that I've met, the first one that they all get is quality time. You know, when they come out of the womb, they want your time. And so that time sometimes can be a little bit taxing, so rewarding, but it can be taxing on the body, you know? And so, so we, you know, as we begin to have more kids in life, you know, we are just in a different season. 
And so embracing the season we were in. We had different seasons of life, man, where we, we, it seemed like money was growing on trees. It's like everything we touched turned to gold, and it was awesome. I love that season. Those were great seasons. Then we had other seasons where literally I remember overdrawing my checking account because I needed to put gas in the card, in the car. So I overdrew their checking account with my, my debit card and fill up with gas, and I go home, and I am changing my son's diaper, and I'm like, oh, no. We're out of diapers. Payday's like a week and a half away. And we're all out of money. And we don't have a credit card because we did the Dave Ramsey thing. So we cut those suckers up. So I really have to like really rely on a miracle here. I remember seasons like that. And they're hard. But every if you can realize the season you're in won't last forever, no matter how good it is, that season will not last forever. No matter how bad it is, that season's not gonna last forever. When you learn to have that contentment and put in your, like we sang it today, the firm found it, when you're putting your faith in Jesus, like you realize, Lord, no matter what season I'm in, whether I'm shipwrecked like with Paul or whether I'm, I'm, I'm living in abundance, no matter what season in, I, I, I can rejoice. And it doesn't change my worship. It doesn't change my tone. It doesn't even change my attitude because I'm so connected. My, my foundation is so strong, so firm on you. No matter what comes my way, the winds can blow, the rain can come, but my house, it's not gonna shake because my house is built on your foundation, amen? So mountaintops, the mountaintops experience are meant to transform you by the glory of God. Let me say that again. The mountaintops are meant to transform you by the glory of God. The valleys are designed to conform you to be more like Christ. On the mountains, you receive revelation. In the valleys, you slay your giants. On the mountain, the voice of God burns like a fire in your bones. In the valley, his words sustain you through the trials and difficulties of life that you may face. On the mountain, you receive instructions from God for your life. In the valley, you get to walk out those instructions. On the mountain, you receive the seeds that you, will sown in, that you will sow in the valley. On the mountain, you receive revelation and knowledge and wisdom so that you have something to give to the people that God's called you to lead when you come down from the mountain. There's times in your life when you're gonna be on the mountaintop receiving, and then there's gonna be times in the valley where it feels like all you're doing is sowing. And you're sowing, sowing, sowing. There is a day coming, and it's prophesied in the Bible. It's prophesied in Africa. There's days that come where suddenly that, that sowing that you've been doing, you're going to reap. You will reap if you don't give up. And I just want to encourage you, do not neglect your time meeting with God on the mountain. Whatever the mountain may look, where, you know, wherever your mountain experience encounter, those moments, I want to encourage you, don't neglect meeting with him spending time with him. So I want to give you just a few observations that we have from this brief glimpse into Moses's life, into this ex encounter that he had with God. You know, Moses, he, he represents a redeemer. So Moses represented a redeemer. When you read the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, when you read the Old Testament, you'll see uh, uh, stories history outlined, captured, that a lot of it is a foreshadow that's telling you of things that are to come. And if you look at the life of Christ, actually you can go back and you can see that the Lord was giving a wink to humanity, giving them clues along the way that would point to Christ. Moses was a type of Christ to the Jewish people of that day. He, he had an anointing to be a redeemer. 
One thing to note about Moses as the Redeemer, the Redeemer never would have had that encounter if it wasn't for a few midwives that didn't bow their knee to Pharaoh. If God's gonna birth something in your life, I don't care how great you are, you're gonna need some midwives. You're gonna need people around you that are gonna help birth things that God has put inside of you. If Moses didn't have the right midwives, he wouldn't have fulfilled the dream that God called him, called him to. And some of you are sitting in this room and you might be sitting here with dreams that are not fulfilled because you had the wrong midwives around you. And he's put you in a great family. He's put midwives around you that are gonna help birth the things that God had placed inside of you. The redeemer anointing that was on Moses' life never would have been able to happen if it wasn't for the midwife. So Moses, let me just give you a backstory on this guy. Why is he even there? He actually wasn't where he was supposed to be, but he was where he was supposed to be. So Moses, if you go through the lineage, you go back to Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob uh, had his name changed to Israel. That's where you get the nation of Israel from because Israel had a lot of kids. And all his kids had a lot of kids. One of his kids, a kid named Joseph, ends up being neglected by his brothers. It's a really sad story, but uh, it's basically the first element, uh, or not the first, the, the second main element of sibling rivalry. I was gonna say the first. The first was Cain and Abel. But the second big element of sibling rivalry that you see in the Old Testament. And so uh, his brothers sell him into slavery. He ends up down in Egypt. Long story short, he ends up being promoted and becomes second in command of the most powerful nation on earth. How does that happen, God? There's no, there's no way to explain it but God. And God had a plan with Joseph's life. So then there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has a bunch of sons. One of them's Joseph. Joseph ends up in Egypt, gets brought into second in command, and then a drought hits the world in that area of the world. There was a seven-year drought. By the way, it's always good to plan because every generation has some sort of financial drought. Every generation do your homework, do your research. Every single generation has some sort of catastrophic drought that wipes out some of the population. It's been happening since the dawn of time. Be prepared for when droughts come. And so the drought happens, and, and Joseph, because of his level of, of uh, relationship with Pharaoh, he's able to bring his dad, his brothers, their wives, everybody. They have this awesome family reunion. There's forgiveness. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And then they end up living in that land. And they actually co co uh, cohabitated the land, if you will, um, with all the the Egyptians. And so they kind of had they got to choose their their different areas of land, and they were blessed, and they continued to be blessed and prospered. And time went on, and and then there was generations after generations. Four hundred years went by. Four hundred years. I mean, America's only been around for two hundred and fifty some odd years, right? So four hundred years goes by. And during that time, there's new leaders in place. Well, they don't know what the relationship was with these Hebrew people, these Israelites. They're like, why? We, you know, we, we kind of need a lot of labor to do what we need to do in the economy. So we're going to make them, we gave them this land for free. We let them come into our territory. So now we're going to make them slaves. They're going to be our slave labor. And so all the Israelites found themselves in the snap of a finger. They were suddenly slaves. And, and now they're the workforce, the worker bees of everything that Pharaoh wants to do. Kind of sounds like America right now. So then, so they got all these worker bees. And so, and, and they had all this labor. And what they, what they're, 
what happened was they began to get so oppressed and they're crying out to God and they're like, this started as just kind of like a job and we were working for them and now it's getting worse and worse and worse. And, it, and there, there was this, this, this blessing within the affliction that happened. And the blessing within the affliction is Exodus one twelve. I don't know if we have it or not, but it was the more that the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied. It was like the more they got oppressed, the more blessed they ended up becoming. And it was the incubator of adversity that happened in that moment. The incubator of adversity. And so they were, they were being crushed, but man, God was with them. They were being persecuted, but they weren't abandoned, right? I mean, this is like New Testament meets Old Testament. And there was all these things happening, and the cry came up to the Lord, and he said, okay, enough is enough. Moses, okay, pause, Moses was a Hebrew child. He was born, and during that time, because the, the Israelites were multiplying so fast, Pharaoh created an edict that they were going around and killing all the male babies. They said, hey, we'll take your women as our wives, but we're gonna kill all the males. So they put out an edict where they were going around killing all the, baby, the little baby male children that were being born. And so they would tell the midwives, you better kill them before they come out. Kill them, right? When they're born, kill them right away. Well, the midwives, they, they're midwives because they love babies, right? And so they, they wanted to keep these babies alive. So they, they were doing their best to hide a few. Well, Moses was one of the ones that was saved because some midwives said no to Pharaoh. And so they were there at that time when Moses was birthed and they, they hit him. Well, Moses ends up being put in the river and you've seen the story probably and he gets brought into Pharaoh's house and he's raised in royalty. He's not raised around godly people. He's raised uh, in, in today's vernacular, it would be like he was raised with Psychics, and yeah, there was good education that he probably received, but there was unique fortune tellers, there was mysticism, there was all these different things that he was raised around as being part of the Pharaoh's household for what was going on in that day and time. And then one day he's out and about and he sees that one of the Egyptians kills or is whipping one of the Hebrews, and he says, not on my watch, and he ends up actually killing that Egyptian and then he covers it up. Well, people find out about it, and he's freaked out that he's going to get killed, so he flees. Where does he go? He goes to this land called Midian. Midian at that time would be in what would be known as modern-day Saudi Arabia. So he goes to Midian. He flees there, and while he's there, he ends up meeting a beautiful girl that he takes as his wife, meets her family. Well, the family that he met were the Midianites, and the woman's father that he marries is a guy named Jethro. Jethro is the Midianite. He's kind of the head of the tribe, if you will. You got to think back in those days, it was very tribal, family, territorial, etc. And so Jethro was the head of the tribe and he was also the priest. And some would say, well, a priest of what? Like he's not, he's not an Israelite. No, but he is through the lineage of Abraham. So a lot of people remember Abraham at Isaac and, and, and he also had an Ishmael. But when Abraham's wife, Sarah, died, he married a woman named Keturah, had a few more kids with her. Out of Keturah, in his relationship, he had a son named Midian. Midian goes and, and ends up being blessed and prosperous and has this tribe, the Midianites. It'd be like the Petersonites, right? You know? So he goes and has the Midianites. And then from that, he would have received, downloaded, from Abraham to Midian, from Midian to his child to other children, through the generations, they would have had stories of how God blessed our grandfather, Abraham. So Moses didn't grow up with that. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He flees, running away from that, and he ends up in Midian, 
And in Midian, he meets this woman. He marries her. And Jethro, the father-in-law, like a good father-in-law, probably took Moses under his wing and begins to impart into him. And as the priest of that area, they would observe the Sabbath. They would pray to God. They would share God encounters of what God did here and what God did there through the years. So Jethro raises up Moses for a period of 40 years. Moses is there. And then this story comes. One day, Moses leads. It says Moses led his flock. Where did he lead them? He led them to Mount Sinai. He led them to the mountain of God. So there was something in Moses' heart that was like, I've heard these stories. I want to experience it myself. Was this the first time that he was at the mountain? I don't believe so. 40 years, 40 years, tending the flock. I'm sure he'd been to this mountain before. We don't know that for certain, but my personal belief is that this was probably not the first time he went, but this time was unlike any other time that he went. And maybe you're here today, and it's not your first time in church, but man, it feels like a first time. Like there's something that you just encountered God, and you're like, I needed this today. I needed to encounter the living God today. That's what happened with Moses. It's just a little backstory to him. So I'm going to give you a few observations. Promotion for his life came while serving someone else. Promotion came while serving someone else. So Jethro is the priest of Midian. Moses is serving his father-in-law. And in serving him, he's tending to his flock. And I find it interesting that God promotes him in the middle of his serving, but it was 40 years. I mean, I've been doing ministry now for about 20 some odd years. Like I said earlier, my wife and I, we've been blessed with some of the most healthy church experiences like in the body of Christ, honestly, just healthy, great relationships with our pastors, still friends with them to this day. I mean, we're, we're, we're super, super blessed. We understand that that is a little bit unique. But along the way of doing ministry for 20 years, I've met people that did ministry for five minutes and they wanna hold the microphone and preach, Right? And I'm not saying that somebody doesn't have a call on the God on their life. Yeah, you can have a call of God on your life, but you need to be developed. You need to be trained and you need to be raised up. There's, 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 a, there's a period of time for that. But I've seen people that get like frustrated two years into it and being like, why didn't the pastor have me preach? Or, or man, I wrote a worship song and the worship leader didn't choose to sing my song. Or, whatever. or I told the pastor I really wanted this worship song and they didn't sing it in worship. It's like, I'm sorry, but we don't sing the worship for you. We sing it for him, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. The worship is for him. I'm not sorry. It's all for him. But you, I've seen these people where it's like they come in and they get into moments and ambition takes over. You know, growing up in, in business, I always thought ambition was a good thing. And then I got saved. And then I researched where ambition comes from. That's some homework for you. It's not a good thing. It's a pride thing. And so the Lord begins to grind out the ambition that might be inside of you. And promotion comes from the Lord. So if you really, truly want to be promoted, Jesus said the greatest is going to be the greatest servant. Be a servant. Serve. Get involved. Promotion comes from the Lord. I feel like there's some people in the room that you've been waiting on promotion, and you've been like, Lord, I'm, I'm, and, and you have your checklist. I've been doing this. I've been tithing. I've been praying. And, and I don't see the breakthrough yet. And the Lord's just gonna, he's just, I just feel like he wants me to remind you right now in this moment, promotion comes from him. Be faithful in the little that your faith is in, in doing cannot be based on what you hope to see. Your doing is honoring him. 
So you don't base your obedience based on what you receive. You base your obedience on him and the word of God. But through your obedience, you will receive blessings. Psalm 75, six through seven says this. I like how it reads in the Passion Translation. This I know, the favor that brings promotion and power doesn't come from anywhere on earth for no one exalts a person but God, the true judge of all. He alone determined where favor rests. Second observation we see from Moses is that he was the one who led his flock into the wilderness to the mountain of God. He was leading. Some of you need to stand up and take charge of your life, take ownership of your life, take responsibility of your life. You need to lead. You need to lead your family. You need to walk in and begin to lead your workplace. You need to be able to step up and lead. Now, the greatest leaders are those that are the greatest followers. The one that's the number one position is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? He's The Holy Spirit's leading, guiding, and directing you. But I'm saying you taking a stand as a responsible person. One of the most beautiful things that happens uh, when a husband and wife come together is a lot of times with the men that I've counseled through the years, I see a stepping up in them. Uh, it's always sad when there's a, a shrinking down, but man, it's beautiful when there's a stepping up where they say, honey, let's pray about this right now. We're facing this need. Let's pray about it right now. Honey, I want to pray for you. Let me, you're, you're not feeling well today. I'm going to lay hands. I want to pray over you. We're going through a challenge. Honey, let's pray together. The first one to, to offer to pray is usually the most mature, right? So men, be the most mature. Offer to pray. Take a stand. But that when, when you begin to do that, you start releasing blessing and you're being the leader that God's called you to lead because you've been a good follower of him. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 says this, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Now you could read that scripture and if you don't know the, 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 the timeline of the Bible, you would say, oh, that must have been written about the time when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Nope, it was a long time after. Why? Because like all of us, the children of Israel had seasons where they were obedient and there were seasons where they were disobedient. This is years later after God had done all these things in their lives and God's saying, I'm gracious and I'm kind. If you just come back to me, come back to me, I'm gonna help you make things all right. I know you made a mess of your life. Come back to me. I'm gonna help set it okay. I know you blew up that marriage, that relationship, that whatever. Come back to me. I'm gonna help set some things in order. And God is so gracious and kind. And if you're here today and you're like, Lord, I need you to just help set some things in order in my life, he responds when you, your heart is just pure and you just ask him, seek, pray, he will come. He's gonna come and help you in that moment. He's gonna come and help you in your finances. He's gonna help you in that relationship. He's gonna help you in your family. He's gonna help you with your vocation. He's gonna bring things together if you'll just come, if you'll submit it to him. Another thing that we observe and can apply in, in our lives and be mindful of is the fact that God interrupted and redirected his plans, Moses' plans. God redirected his plans. God, God met Moses when Moses wasn't where he was supposed to be but it was where he was supposed to be. Meaning God had a plan for Moses to meet with him and it took pulling him out of Egypt, getting him submitted in Midian with Jethro, his father-in-law, where he was positioned then to have that God encounter on the mountain. And I don't know about you, but there's times like when I've met God 
and it seems like I was off track, God is so faithful, man, to hunt me down. Like, I remember back when I got saved, I, I was kind of a little bit leery of the church people, and I, don't, I really don't know why. I, I, I just, I'll blame it on the devil. But I, was, I always thought church people were weird, man. Like, I, w- I was working as a drive through teller with a bank. It, it was, later became Bank of America, but it was this little independent bank up in Washington, Seafirst Bank, and I was a drive-up teller, and I had all these people that were so nice and everything, and they were cool, and they were fun, but there was different people in my life that invite me to church, and I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't know why I said that, but it was like, I'm good. Like, good for what? Like, nothing, you know? And so, but I just kind of had this social stiff arm that I kind of gave him, you know what I mean? Like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for the invite. And it's like, I will never go with you to your church. Like, you know, it, it's, but I had these moments. And then it was interesting that when I, I finally ended up going to church after I surrendered my life to Christ, I walked in to this church service and I literally saw four different people that used to come to my bank all the time, which was like 15 miles away from where this church was. And the people that I saw, they were actually some of my favorite customers. And, and there was an element of me where I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I get to see you all. And the sad thing was, as much as they were my favorite customers, the ones that I, I wish they would have invited me, they never invited me to their church. I didn't even know about it. It was just totally by accident that I walked in and I saw them all. And I think how many times, Pastor Fred said it both so beautifully last week when he was here, but you know, how many times where it's like, man, we have an opportunity to share something. We have an opportunity to even have our own plans redirected, interrupted, et cetera, but we're like, no, I'm, I'm good. God is calling you to step into, he's putting his hand out this morning to you and he's saying, just let me redirect some things in your life. Let me, would you be, would you be open to it? Would you be open to my interruption? Would you be open if I interrupted and changed the course of your vocation? Would, it be, would you be open if I interrupted your, your, your time at lunch today so that I could use you to speak to that waiter or that waitress? Would you be open to an interruption if I'm saying, no, I actually want you to move and grow in this area? Would you be open to that interruption? I'm going to read off a few different uh, passages of Scripture here, and this is where we're going to end today. I'm going to ask Matt to go ahead and join me up front and play softly. I'm going to read a few different scriptures today, but this is just a reminder, if you're here today and you might be in a season where you're wondering, God, where do I go next? Like, I, I have the next few months set, but I, I need a little bit more clarity on some vision for my future. I, I need some direction for my vocation. I need some direction for our family that's expanding. I need, I need some wisdom. If you're here today and you're wondering, you have some of those questions, I want to show you in the scriptures where to go to get a word. By the way, if you need a word from God, get into the word of God. He's faithful. He's going to speak to you. Here's some scriptures. Psalms 37, 23 through 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Who directs the steps? The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they're never going to fall, for the Lord holds them up by his hand. Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So yeah, make your plans. But then as you begin to step out in faith, let the Lord steer that. He he can't steer a parked car. So you gotta get in motion. Gotta start going, doing something with what he's given you. And then he's gonna be able to steer it. I found that the Lord a lot of times, he leads as much with red lights as he does with green lights. 
Sometimes you'll be approaching a situation, a decision, and you won't have the full green light. You kind of have an inner, like this inner unction where you're feeling like, I believe this is God. I think this is God. I hope this is God. This feels right. It looks right. You've gotten wise counsel. Wise counsel says, I, I, I mean, there's nothing that's blatant that stands out that I would say, no, don't do that. Okay, and you might begin. If it's not of God, man, I've found in my life the Lord is so faithful. I'll get five steps into the journey on that and he'll shut the door. It's like, oh, okay, I was wrong. And I'm okay with that. And even in your wrong, even in the steps that you took that you were gonna go down the wrong opportunity, God's faithful to redeem that time. God's faithful to redeem that money. You invested into that business deal or whatever it is. God is so faithful. Psalms 31, 14 through 15 says this. But I trust you, Lord. I say you're my God. My times are in your hands. We're putting our trust in him. Proverbs 20, 24. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? He's gonna direct your steps. Some of you are the biggest why, how. You want the details. Any detail people in the house today? You want the details. Okay, I know we're going here, but why are we doing this and why are we going over here? And, and, and you're, you're, you're awesome. We, we love how detail-oriented you are. We need your details. We, we, we need you to keep us on track. We need your to-do list. We got it. We know. But there's times where you just need to say yes to the Lord without knowing. Can you say yes to him without knowing all the details? Sometimes people don't get the details and then they, they pause and they shrink back. No, we're not, we're not that people. We're the type of people that press forward in faith. We go from glory to glory, trusting the Lord with our lives, knowing that he's gonna direct our steps. Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path, your word. You wanna stay on the path of the Lord? Stay in the word of God. Don't listen to the podcast for your word from God. No, no, get into the word of God. Don't listen to another sermon. No, get into the word of God. You need a word from him. Can God speak through podcasts? And absolutely, does he? Yes, I listen to a ton of them. I love it. But my first place, I get into the word of God. Proverbs 19, 21, and this is where we'll end. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know, Moses walks up to this burning bush and it looked like it's on fire and from all respective things, it should have been, it should have been burning up, but it didn't. You might be sitting here today and it feels like, man, my life is on fire. But you're not gonna burn up. He's gonna be with you. There's a story in the Bible that we read in Daniel. In, in the book of Daniel, Daniel and some of his friends, they would not bow their knee to the leader at that time. They said, no, we are gonna continue to bow our knee to God. That's the only one we're gonna worship. We're not gonna worship you, king. And so because of that, they get thrown into the fire. But there was a fourth man in the fire. God wants to tell you this morning, if you're here and you feel like you're going through the fire, if you invite him, he'll be that other man in the fire with you. He'll be with you. And he was with them until they were brought out of the fire. He didn't go in there and grab them and rescue them from the fire. No, he walked around there with them. If you're in a fire this morning, invite him into it. It may look like you're gonna be harmed. He's gonna be with you. 
his protection is for you. So Moses, when he walks up and he sees the bush burning and there's the angel and it caught his eye. God caught his attention. There's a lot of things in our lives that will catch our eyes. But then there's certain things, man, that catch your heart. Pursue those things. Those things where, man, your, your heart, you, you get the heart of the Lord for that person. You catch the heart of the Lord for that church. You get, catch the heart of the Lord for that ministry. You catch the heart of the Lord for that family, that marriage. Pray into those things. A lot of times the fire is just there to grab your attention, but then the Lord speaks and he's gonna, he's gonna send you on a mission. So when you're on the mountain, when you're spending time in your quiet time and your prayer time, listening, not just going through your to-do list, God, God wants you to tell him your needs. He says to, bring your needs to me. But when you do that, as you're going, take time to just listen. He's inviting you. He's inviting you to come close. And then there's gonna be a moment where he says, okay, that's good. Stop. Now take your shoes off and worship because this is holy ground. You don't have all the answers. You don't know exactly how things are gonna turn out. Take your shoes off and worship, man. It's holy ground. It's holy ground. So Lord, we just come to you this morning and we just, we don't have all the answers. Lord, we're worshiping you. God, would you show us areas of our lives where we just need to take our shoes off for the place that we're standing is holy ground. Just like you told Moses, just like you told Joshua, take off your sandal. This is holy ground. This is a holy moment. God, I pray as we come to you, as we encounter you on the mountaintops, God, that you would speak, that you would bring revelation, that you would trans transform us. And God, when you send us into the valleys, that we would be more conformed into the likeness of Christ. There's a drawing, church. There's a stepping up. There's a stepping up. He wants to meet with you. He wants to download things to you. He wants to pour his spirit out upon you in such great measure where you feel like time with him. It's like when you dated your wife for the when you guys just started dating and you could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours on the phone. He, he, want, he wants to restore that first love to you. If you're here this morning and you just want that first love, that first love fire back, the Lord wants to pour it out to you. Just, I just, if you want that first love fire back, just stand to your feet where you're at. I'm just gonna pray for you right where you're at. If you want that first love fire back in your life of God, if you want that first love fire of the Holy Spirit, if you want that encounter with him this morning, just stand to your feet where you're at. God, we're asking for that first that first love, that fresh fire. God, I pray, Father. I pray for that first love. I pray for that, that restoration in, in our relationship with you. And God, we just place you on the throne of our hearts this morning. We declare that you are first in our lives. God, we're asking for an encounter with you. God, I, I pray that we would see too much to ever go back to anything that pales in comparison from you. That we, that we would hear too much from you, that it, that it just, everything else is just like white noise compared to your voice. I pray that we would hear so clearly from you. I pray that you would move, 
God, in our life and our circumstances. God, move in our families. God, move in this region. God, we pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit in your church in this region, in every church of this region. God, we pray that every church would be overflowing. God, I pray as people are coming back to school and they're getting life back in order, I pray that you would take first place, that there would be a priority to getting in the house of the Lord, that there would be a priority to take a couple hours every week where we come together and we begin to worship and we begin to pray and come together and, and we're equipped for the ministry and the work that you've called us to, God. I pray, Father, I pray that as people are coming back and getting their, their schedule set, that, that the schedule that would be the most important is their scheduled time to meet with you. God, we long for you. We want to meet with you. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move. Move in our lives. Move in hearts and minds. In Jesus' name. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.